You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. to be his ambassadors of reconciliation, just to carry out the work that Jesus began and is still doing through his church. So, oh, wow. So uh, a number of years ago when I started out in like full-time in, in church work, is in, in ministry as, the, as we call it, um, I started out in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That was my first assignment, my first uh, job, my first gig, my first position on staff at a church. And I learned a lot about the, the city because whenever I moved to, and I've moved to quite a few locations in my life, and I, I'm praying that this is the last time. I love Natchitoches. We're just like, man, let's just stay here. It's, just, it's good. And God's got plans for us and for Natchitoches, I believe. Um, but, but in Tulsa, you know, I like to learn about the city and, and the history and stuff. And you learn about a lot of stuff in, in textbooks in school. And then you learn a lot, a lot of stuff when you really dig deeper. And I, I'm someone who kind of like, likes to learn. I like to learn all the textbook stuff first. And then I like to dig deeper slowly as I go. So I'm still learning about places. And I've learned a lot about Tulsa, Oklahoma. It actually was established in 1898. And the, the founding father was a man named Wyatt Tate Brady. And there's this whole area of town called the there's, there's Brady Street and the Brady Street and Arts District, like a whole district named after Wyatt Tate Brady. And, you know, he was the founding father and in history shows a lot of great things that he established Tulsa. Oklahoma got Tulsa on the on the road to being established as as a as a uh, as a city. And there's other things you learn when you look at history about Wyatt Tate Brady. He was, for him, unashamedly a white supremacist. He was also a member of the KKK. 
And in the 1920s, let me see if I wrote the date down, if I don't have the date right. 1921, there was a big race massacre in Tulsa. Now, you live there, everybody there talks about the race riots. It wasn't a riot, it was a massacre. And 300 black people were killed during that massacre. 300 citizens of Tulsa in 1921 killed by white citizens of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Not a war, not a civil war, not, a, not a somebody came invaded, not a terrorist attack. American on American. In 1921, killed in this, this 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 event that happened, and then after this, Brady, who was still a community leader because everything was very segregated in the 20s, still he was a community leader. Was actually elected to the Tulsa Real Estate Exchange, and he led a, the movement to completely segregate Tulsa, the city that he had founded. He was the founding father. He now in the 1920s was after the race massacre and he's, and he's, he's elected to this position, this public office, leading the charge to completely segregate Tulsa. Because the mindset was, let's make this where it's one city with one government, but black folk and white folk will never cross paths. They, I mean, it was, they, they were kind of completely segregate everything. And that was like the, and that was people were behind him. He was he was going forward with this, and so in the about 2013, some folks got to really looking at this and going, we need to kind of change a little bit of this imagery because we have Brady Street, a, 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 who is historically known. It's not a secret anymore. A white supremacist, member of the KKK, big part of the the, the, the race massacre in the 1920s, led the charge for complete segregation, and it's kind of a it's kind of a blemish on our city. But we, keep, but but you know we we still embrace. He's the founding father, so we feel like we kind of we kind of want to give him credit for that. But also, we also got to recognize who he was. So they they renamed Brady Street W. B. Brady Street because there was another cat in the, in the in the during the Civil War who was a famous photographer, and his name was W. B. Brady, and he is from like the region. So let's, let's just na- rename it W. B. Brady. So it's after this other guy, this this famous photographer. And not after this Brady. That way we don't have to change the sign and all that. We can kind of still keep the history. But, you know, here we are a few years after 2013, and that really didn't work. What they found was that uh, didn't really, it wanted, they wanted a healing effect to happen in the community, and it didn't really have the healing effect that they hoped for. So recently, as recent as uh, toward the end of last year, they voted and made the change that Doug Brady Street is now renamed in Tulsa Reconciliation Way. They renamed it Reconciliation Way. And some people are mad because, you, you know, they're changing the name. They're changing the history. And I'm like, okay, take a minute. It, I get you're, you want to hold on to history, and, and you, you, you're, you're proud of, you know, founding father that told us here because of this guy. If we look at a lot of cities in the South, probably a lot of cities in the South were established by white supremacists. If we look back historically at the people who were in charge and who were able to vote back then. So they weren't, it's a, but Reconciliation Way is a beautiful name, I think. But there's a lot of challenges to reconciliation, right? Well, what, are some, what are some challenges to true reconciliation? We could, and we just don't have to just keep it to, to race. There's reconciliation between generations, reconciliation between uh, families, reconciliation between you know, us and our finances. What are some challenges to reconciliation in all these different ways? Forgiveness. Man, that's, forgiveness is a huge one, right? What else? Pride and pride and forgiveness, man, that's kind of together, right? Sometimes a lot of times it's pride that keeps you from forgiveness. Yeah. Other, other things are challenges to reconciliation. And self-awareness. Self-awareness. 
Yeah, because you have to be, you probably have to enter into it a little bit selflessly. So you have to be self-aware of, of how you're approaching your, how you're approaching other people. Good. What else? Other other things challenges to reconciliation. Communication. Communication. That's a that's a huge one. Huge one. I'll throw one out there. One challenge to reconciliation is some people don't want it. Yeah. I'm saying that's to me. I look around and going, some people just don't want it. They just don't want it. So there's a lot of challenges to, to reconciliation. So today we're kind of in this our series, Kingdom Culture, wrapping it up today. Um, and we're taking a deeper dive into the what, the what the culture of God's kingdom looks like and what it looks like for us to live it out here in the culture that we find ourselves here on planet Earth. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21 that Lexi read for us. We're going to dig a little deeper in that. So if you have a Bible, you want to open that or open it up on your app just to kind of track along. There may be something you want to highlight or, or remember for later, so, so do that. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. With this, bi- this big idea, reconciliation is going to come through a spiritual awakening where Jesus is the subject. That's for me, that's, that's where I'm started. That's where I started with this. Uh, to, to read, four, four weeks ago, we started this series, and that's where I started. That's kind of where I see we, we're going to end. A spiritual awakening where Jesus is the subject. And today in this scripture, we're going to find out, I believe, why that's the case. That's the big idea for us. Here's a few thoughts on that big idea. The first one is, it's time we all reach out for something new. It's time we all reach out for something new. Yes, I was listening to Purple Rain when I was writing sermons. That lyric is straight out of that. Like, I'm sitting there writing. I need, a, I need a thought here. And it's like, it's time to reach out for something new. That means you too. And I'm like, yeah, it does mean me too. And that means you and you and you. And that means all. We need to reach out for something new. And it, here's why people are in disagreement about changing the name of a street. From, from one which, which honors a known racist to something beautiful like Reconciliation Way. We don't have a common memory. We don't have a common memory. This is, I'm just becoming aware of some of these things. For me, this, is, this has been an awareness of me, for me. Um, slavery, mass incarceration, the race riots. There's no other way to say it, but different people groups remember these things differently. We've actually been taught in, in our, through our history books some things, but there's a, that's, that's one thing why I've learned to just really embrace Black History Month over the last few years. There's a lot of awesome things and awesome people I never heard of. And we're here, we're here today because of these people and these events. So I, I think it's, it's great because we, have, we don't have a common memory, so we need these kind of things. A friend, I have a lot of friends, and like I said, I pastored in Oklahoma six years. We were there at that, on that assignment in Tulsa. So I still have a lot of connections and friends there. And I have a friend who was really mad about this. And he has basically said, no matter how hard you try, you can't simply erase history by changing a sign. And I think he misses the point. Uh, this isn't a push to erase history. It's, it's to redeem it. I believe that the, the folks that are like changing the name of this street to Reconciliation Way is like, we're not trying to erase history. We want to redeem it. We want to redeem it because it's time for something brand new. It's got to be time for something brand new. How might we reach beyond what's already been tried? That's the question. It seems like everything's been tried. How might we reach beyond what's been tried? Well, maybe... It's because it needs to be a spiritual awakening where Jesus is the subject. That's what we need to do. So what prevents us from trying something new? Fear. Right, that's probably the main one. Fear. Just uh, um, we're not familiar with it. A little bit uncomfortable. 
just don't see the opportunity, had not aware, awareness of the opportunities not there. A lot of things may prevent us from doing, trying something new. Verse 14, what we read this morning in 2 Corinthians 5, says the love of Christ controls us. It's, it, that means it urges us on. We are urged on by the love of Christ. When we become a follower of Jesus, we, it's all about becoming a new creature, a new man, a new woman, brand new like we talked about last week, something that's absolutely un, not been done before. You're new. We are new. And this newness is what urges us on. The love of Christ controls us and urges us, urges us on and that's how we grow. That's how we grow as people. We, we, we reach out for something new. That's how you grow. You reach out for something new and you grow. Reconciliation requires that I grow as a person and it requires that we grow as a people. You know, I, I feel like I want to preach this to, to the entire city. <laughs> I don't know if y'all are with me. I'm just feeling like I know everybody in this room enough through a few conversations you get this. And I ain't feeling like I'm preaching to it. Hopefully I'm just going to encourage you and inspire you just to keep on and keep it on. But there's so many that haven't, that haven't wrapped their brain around this yet. Reconciliation requires that I grow as a person and that we grow as a people. And so we've got to grow. And sometimes I hear things like, well, I'm striving to do my best, right? You've heard that, probably said it. Well, I'm striving. I'm striving. And I'm just trying. I'm doing my best. And if we can achieve a new life, by striving, we wouldn't need Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to give us a new life. And we're not going to get this new life just by adding Jesus or adding church or adding religion to what we already do, to the old ways of our lives. Because true growth isn't achieved by striving. It's not just adding on to what you've already been doing. It's brand new. So 2 Corinthians continues. We've all died to our old self. So you can't add on because it's gone. You all died to our old self. Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Where Jesus is the subject, the old ways of living are replaced by new life. That's how you know for yourself. I'm not talking about you know, looking at other people. Oh, are they really following Jesus? I'm talking about looking in the mirror and going, have my old ways of life been replaced by Jesus. Has the old way of living been replaced? If, if I can't say yes, then what I've done is I've just kind of added Jesus to everything else. And there's no real growth happening in that. So Jesus isn't an add-on. Jesus is not an upgrade. He's not a new version. Jesus is life and a completely new way to be. And we need that for reconciliation to happen. So for us, maybe this is where we need to start. We need to die to the old so the new life can begin. Maybe that's kind of where we're at with this. And that's a great place to be. That's where the awakening really begins. Because we can be new. And, and we're only new because we, we get a different heart. And, and the second thought I want to camp out in for just a minute is about having a different heart. Because a different world requires a different heart. A different world requires a different heart. And my heart's changed a lot. A great example happened over this year, kind of over uh, Halloween, right after Halloween. And I, a couple of folks I've told about this, but I've never really used it in a sermon. So 2019, right, last year, Halloween time. I have a friend named Steve from Arkansas. Steve is a black man. He, is a, he was a mutual friend between a whole bunch of young people who were in the youth group at the church I pastored who are now, you know, 
that was in 2009 and in those years. So 10 years later, they're all adults, have careers, have families and all this. So Steve decided there was a picture from 2009 Halloween that I took at a Halloween event at our outreach events our church did. And it had a mutual friend who was one of his best friends, a young lady who was in the youth group at the time, 10 years later. Now she's married, has a kid, is a teacher in school. She's done, got her degree, you know, 10 years on, she's moved on. But this picture is a great, it was a great picture in the moment, 2009. She and her friend, who were both young ladies that were members of the youth group of our church, came to the Halloween event dressed as Michael Jackson. This young, there was, now it's a group, it's a, it's a, it was a partner uh, costume thing. 1980s Michael Jackson, 1990s Michael Jackson. Okay? So if you're thinking, if you're, if you're in your brain's going where this went, one is a darker skin color than the other. Only they were both this color naturally. So she darkened her face. And so in 2009, that was a not a, not a like thing that took my heart and went, oh, that's, that's inappropriate. What it was was I like Michael Jackson. I get the joke. It's, I think it's a funny costume. Nobody, nobody seemed offended. And it was like, it's Michael Jackson. Now, 2019, Michael Jackson passed away. There's a lot of controversy about that. Plus, my heart has grown into a place where she shouldn't be putting blackface on. 2009, my heart wasn't at that. My heart has, I have a different heart now, even in 10 years. And I look at that, and, and uh, here's what, how it came to my attention. Somebody who's my friend on Facebook saw that picture because Steve, who I mentioned earlier, shared it. And said, hey, remember this? It was the best Halloween costume ever. He sh when he shared it, it comes up on my feed because it's a, my picture. I took the picture. It's on my, in the history 10 years ago on Facebook. He shared it. It hits my thing. Somebody's on my feed sees it, calls a member of the board that's kind of over-awakened church for the LCMCOG. He then calls another guy on the board because he didn't want to call me. Called him and said, there's some picture, and, and he, when, when I, this brother said, I need to talk to you. I said, okay, let's, let's talk. He said, well, somebody's upset, and they called brother so-and-so, and he called me because of some picture that seemed really edgy on your Facebook. And I just want to be able to tell him we talked, and you're sorry if anybody was offended. And I said, well, what, what was it? He didn't even know. He just said something about some picture with some face paint or something. And that's when it took me like three days to realize, okay, Steve shared the picture. The picture showed up on my feed. Somebody saw that picture. And instead of, they're my friend on Facebook, and I said, hey, Steve, Brother Steve, Pastor Steve, whatever, that looked a little edgy. It looked, it looked a little inappropriate. Like said, that was a 10 years ago picture. I'm sorry. They called Brother so-and-so. And instead of him going, well, let's, let's talk about this. Let me call Brother so-and-so. By the time he got it, he didn't even really know what the issue was. He just knew somebody was a little bit offended by something that seemed edgy and had something to do with face paint. I just put all that together and went, you know what? I'm going to take the picture down. And I told him, I like put the comment on there because they've been talking about it. She's like, please stop tagging me in this picture. I'm a teacher now. I don't need this kind of you know, picture showing up because I'm a teacher. And uh, I was like, you know, I'm taking the picture down. If you want it, Save it yourself, keep it. I'm removing it from my area. And Steve, who was the black man who shared this, he has kept, kept on and on about how could this be inappropriate? How are people offended? I don't understand. And I'm like, great. I'm glad you're not offended, but some people are, and we're taking it down. The world needs to be different. The question would be, how does the world need to be different, and what am I going to do about it? And, and what are you doing about it? 
verse 16 says, So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. Jesus transforms from the inside out. From the inside out. A lot of times what we want to do is we want to just clean up outside a little bit. Like we always, you know, we're going to change this behavior or that behavior. And Jesus says, I'm going to start on the inside and give you a brand new heart, a different heart. The rest of that will happen as my heart beats through you, as my blood flows through you. Jesus is life changing because he's life change. He's not just life changing. He is life change. And that's because he changes your heart. As you follow Jesus, you cannot remain the same. You just can't. It's, you're not, it's not overnight, you're super perfect and whatever. But from day to day, step after step, you become more like Jesus. And there are all different places with that. And that's, that's the way it's designed. But you can't remain the same following Jesus. I believe, may, may 2020 be a year, and this, this de- it's a new decade. May this decade be that Awakened Church is known for being different. And not different because, oh, that's the church that meets over in the movie theater. I've heard all kinds of stuff now that we've been established a little bit. And I'm like, we're not established enough. Come on, join us. <laughs> well, I've heard, like, oh, that's, just, that's the church. It's just for young people. I'm like, no, it's not. That's just because you hadn't come tried it. <laughs> but it's all kinds of things. But not different because we meet in a movie theater or, or because the college students seem drawn or because we have our Bible study circles and you, you're, you know, everybody can just come to the pastor's house and hang out or we go to a restaurant and have it or a coffee shop. And, you know, we do our Bible studies there. Not because of style of worship or the presentation of the sermon. Not because of any of that. May we be known for being different because Jesus has our hearts. And Jesus has our hearts in a real, authentic way that people just aren't used to, where we're becoming more like Jesus in every moment. That's what keeps me coming back, because I keep seeing the heart of Jesus growing in you guys and girls, (laughs) men and women. I see it happening, and it just keeps me going, you know what? This makes me just want to do more. It makes me want to just invest more, give more time, more energy, more attention, more love, more listening ears to you. Matthew 5.14, this is what Jesus says. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different than anyone else? Even pagans do that. Now, pagan today means I don't really believe in any of that stuff. At the ancient times when this was written, pagan meant I don't believe in just one. I'll try them all, hoping to have all my bases covered. (laughs) There's a movie called The Mummy, and the guy's really funny when the mummy comes at him and he calls out to every god there is. Like, oh, he's like holding up all the symbols and the mummy just keeps coming. It's like, no, that's going to work because you don't really believe. You don't really have any faith in any of that. Even people who have no faith will treat their friends right. What good is that? Jesus says, if you be kind to only people, this, the, your friends, just like you, how are you different than anyone else? He says, I want you to love everyone. So this is our opportunity to be different. When others take the shortcut, we're going to, take, we're going to stay true. We're going to take the, the shortcut. When others use words as weapons, we're going to use our words for healing. Speak healing. Hurt people hurt people. But I believe healed people are people who are being healed. Speak words of healing to others. Or we think of it this way. When others are existing in darkness, we're living in light. Awakened and awakening others with this message that God has given us. And we don't have to make up the message because he's spoken through his word already. Ephesians 5.14 says the light makes everything visible. That's why it is said, awake, O sleeper. 
Rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. That's the message. So what is that waking church all about? Awake, O sleeper. Rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. That's it. We once were dead, now we're alive. Once was asleep, now I'm awake. I have light. It's easy to think about reconciliation, though, as an event. Because that's kind of how it's like, that's kind of how it's pictured for us. We need to have reconciliation. It's, a, it's an event. And if we just rename this street and we have a, a, like a little ceremony to rename the street, that's the event. And reconciliation has, has happened. But has it? It's not an event. And we need a, a, a different mindset from a different heart of this being transformed by Jesus. Reconciliation is not an event. Reconciliation is the restoration of relationship. I'm going to say that again. It should come up on the screen, I think. Reconciliation is the restoration of relationship. That's what it is. I just finished reading a book called The Last Arrow, and it's not about reconciliation. It's, it's actually about giving life all you got. It's really about, like when you get to the end, Knowing it, like the whole last arrow is there's no more arrows left in your quiver. You, you've done it. You've done what you need to do. You've shot your arrows. That's kind of the, the ongoing thing through the book. Erwin McManus writes this, but there is a passage in there that, that hit me as I was preparing for this message. Finding your tribe is not about being the same color or same ethnicity or same history. It's about being of one heart and mind. So whatever you do, whatever it takes, wherever you need to go, whatever you need to do, find your tribe and begin to walk together. Your best future is waiting in your deepest relationships. Sometimes I get asked, you know, how's that, how's that awakened church going? I found my tribe. <laughs> I found my tribe. Good news is it's not exclusive. It's very inclusive. And it's very much like we got plenty of room for others in this tribe. Like we get we try to take room for everybody. I mean, we got plenty of, like, 200 seats in here. We got plenty of room for more folks to come be a part of the tribe. We could actually use the other theater. We have 200 more seats and just send, you know, video link it at 400. We got plenty of room, right? We just got to, we just got to get to invite <laughs> get people to, to, to come and, and become a part of, of the awakening that God's doing. What does it look like to find your tribe? 2 Corinthians 5.18, back to our scripture. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. When we look around at what's happening, really all around us in our, in our culture, it can be hard to see God reconciling the world to himself. It really can be. Like this says God is reconciling the world to himself through Christ. And I look around and I go, well, where is he doing that? I don't want to see it in politics too much. I don't want to see it in entertainment too much. I try and watch sports, and then all of a sudden they're, they're getting all involved in all this other stuff. I mean, I, where? What about church? I got to say last week, why is this, the church hour still the most segregated hour kind of in our culture? Where? It's because he's still working in our hearts. 
He's still grabbing for our hearts. There's still the restoration of the relationship that he's, he's working out in us and through us. God is speaking to the world through us. This is what the church is. It's not a, not a, a gathering of, of, of people. It's the people that he's working through. Ambassadors for Christ, it said in this passage. He's, he's, he wants to awaken us and awaken the world through us. This should, should excite us. God has entrusted us with this message of reconciliation. It's this difficult time we live in. And we have this exciting charge. I want reconciliation. Those people who are far from me. The people who are on other sides of, of the issues. I want reconciliation. Not that everybody to agree on every issue. I want love. I want unity and love, reconciliation. And the enemy is always, always tries to discourage us from this mission. The enemy it, it seeks to get people, the people of God, to compromise. And fear and frustration are the tools of, of, of division. Fear and frustration are tools of division. But we don't give in, we don't give up. We stand firm and we stand tall. And we can only do that in the amazing grace of God, the amazing love of God, the strength of the Holy Spirit within us. So this conversation about reconciliation, it's broader than skin color. It's broader than ethnicity. It's, it's deeper than where we stand politically. It's, it's bigger than economics or education or gender or, or age or generation. It's bigger than grumble, grumble, millennials, okay, boomer. It's bigger than all this. Reconciliation is much more than a conversation about all the ways we see ourselves divided. It's a conversation about who God is. That's why I believe the culture's not getting it, because reconciliation is a conversation about who God is. Reconciliation is a conversation about understanding the identity of Jesus. It's about the Holy Spirit leading and moving and drawing us together. So we can't have authentic reconciliation without God. There are people who they'll keep trying. They'll keep trying. Well, we don't put we don't want to get God in the mix. Then you're not going to have reconciliation. Because what we want instead of that, instead of something spiritual and supernatural and authentic and real, we want an easy formula. Because the formula makes it makes us feel like it's oh that that's doable. That we'll step give me step one, two, three, and we'll have it. Don't you know it's 2020? If there was a step one, two, three to reconciliation, it wouldn't have been done by now, right? Right? People in the middle of our country, in the heart of our country, change the name of a street and people get mad still. We're not there. Step one, two, and three doesn't exist. What does exist is God's spirit. A couple of thoughts, three thoughts actually on reconciliation for the win. And I think reconciliation is for the win. First one is, lack of unity is destroying the body of Christ. It needs to start with church. It's easy for us to come and preach about politics are divided, uh, athletics is divided, education, uh, but all these different things that, you know, ethnicity, economics, all these things that divide. All, it's easy to point all those out. But what happened was what we're missing is lack of unity is destroying the body of Christ. We have, we have a longing to experience unity in our community and in our world. And until we get it right in the body of Christ, we won't get there. Harmony in the culture begins with harmony in the house of God. And God's radically diverse church must lead the way in radical unity and reconciliation in our culture. Second thought about reconciliation for the win is that staying out of it wounds others. 
Staying out of it wounds others. When I don't participate in reconciliation, I injure and wound by my lack of action. Whether we like it or not, we can't stay out of it. And I would rather stay out of it, to be honest. I mean, I, people I get along with, let's just get along, love each other, and let the rest of them fuss about it. But it wounds others when we do that. You don't, become, you don't have to become an activist, but if you're a Christian, you do have to be an ambassador of Christ. He said, an ambassador means you take the message. He said, what is the message? Reconciliation. I love this. We get, we get bogged down in all kinds of stuff in, in our churchiness. And it's like, here's what it means to be a Christian. You're an ambassador of Christ. Ambassador takes the message. What's the message? Reconciliation. God is making this appeal through us. And the third thought about reconciliation for the win is this. When we don't participate in reconciliation, we hinder our identity as a church. We hinder it. We, we, we kind of put a mask on it. Because the church is the, 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 reconciliate, the, the method of reconciliation. Our identity is that we are Christ's ambassadors, and we are, we are the message of reconciliation. It's not that we just bring the message. We are the message of reconciliation. So we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. That's where reconciliation is going to happen. When people, when us, come back to God. This means we embrace the discomfort of our diversity so we can truly reflect the image of Jesus. And we learn to just have conversations and laugh and learn and realize that I have a different heart. I take down a picture from 10 years ago off my Facebook that I didn't realize was even still there until it comes back around. We embrace the discomfort of diversity so we can truly reflect the image of Jesus. And when we see reconciliation take place, and I've seen, I've seen what it looks like at awake, in this thing we're calling Awakened Church. I mean, I'm seeing reconciliation, what, what, it's, what it looks like. And it's undeniable evidence that God is still God. When we see reconciliation happens, it's unmistakable evidence, undeniable evidence that God is still God. Man, write that down. Put that in your book. When reconciliation takes place, it's undeniable evidence that God is still God. I mean, somebody tweet that on your, on your Twitter machine. You know, go on the Facebook or something and put that because that's, that's the reality of it. Reconciliation is undeniable evidence that God is still God. And reconciliation involves sacrificial love, being intentional, Staying the course when it gets hard, because it's not easy. And reconciliation, it offers, this offers hope that you too can be the sons and daughters of God. You belong here. So welcome home. Here you can come as you are. Awaken church is a vision from God a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. May we never hear that or say that so many times of just like, oh, here we go, our little catchphrase. You realize that's reconciliation. That's the vision for reconciliation. You belong here. So next steps, a couple of next steps, suggestions for us all. First of all, I think one that I kind of come back to on a regular basis because every sermon kind of leads to this as a next step, self-assessment. Check yourself. Look in the mirror. Self-assessment for any, any prejudice that may be there, any, any signs of, of something that's there. 
And if you find it, if you, if you honestly, like, do I have some, a prejudice that I'm holding on to here in some way? Confess it and repent. Maybe that's a step. Another a second next step is in prayer. Go to God in prayer and just ask him, God, I'm serious right now. What's my role in reconciliation? What, what kind of changes need to happen and what do I need to do about it? For I'm praying about it right now. I'm starting there. It starts with prayer. What else do I need to do about it? What's my role in reconciliation? Lord, we're going to pray that right now as we wrap up. What is our role in reconciliation? Well, I believe you have this message. It wasn't just for a sermon series. It wasn't just for a, a month of, 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 uh, of going through the, the scriptures together in this, this thing we call the worship gathering. But, I, but I'm convinced that you've got this message for your church, for this culture that we live in, this world that we live in. So it's not about just me. It's not about awaken. It's not about uh, you know, Tariq, who you kind of gave the idea to and through that we get focused on kingdom culture. But I believe that this is, a, this is a turning point. It's a moment for not just awakened church, but Lord, for our community, for our, our, our city, for, for the church, the church in Natchitoches. Lord, we don't have it all figured out or mapped out. We don't even have the connections to, to do whatever it is you're trying to do. But Lord, you do. You've got it all. So, Lord, just as you show your vision to us, step by step, piece by piece, Lord, may we stay committed to stepping step by step into it. We trust you. And, Lord, you've given us the message of reconciliation. May we take that message and live it out and express it in the way of love and grace and mercy in the way of Jesus, come back to God. So we pray for those opportunities. Lord, I'm praying today for opportunities for Awakened Church, for it's those who are called Awakened Church home, that we would have opportunities in this day and in this week, Lord, to say, come back to God, in whatever way that looks like. So we're going to be looking for those opportunities. May we step into them. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Awaken Church LA.